I'd like to share tonight on not so much. I'm going to share on the bridge, but in kind of in a little different, uh, in a little different vein. If you have your Bible, and I could go in a lot of different places tonight, but I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter five with me for a little bit. Before you go to Ephesians chapter five, um, you know, if there's one thing that we need to do, it's bridge the gap between the sexes. We've got the battle of the sexes from the garden. In the book of Genesis chapter three, God put a curse upon relationship because of sin. God is holy. God cannot dwell amongst sin. Because Adam and Eve sinned, if you read the story, because Adam and Eve sinned, God put a curse upon relationship. One of the curses he gave was, and I don't have time to go into all the details of it, but one of the curses he gave was, your desire shall be toward your husband, and he shall rule over you. That word desire means she will seek to control the man. How many of you men can say amen? Come on, say amen, man. Don't come on, don't be a coward, say amen. She will seek to control the man. That word desire, your desire, you'll seek to control the man. By the way, that's happening in today's generation. Women seeking to control men. As a matter of fact, it's a curse in the Old Testament where it says women shall rule over you. It's a curse that God pronounced because of sin. But he didn't leave the man out. As a matter of fact, he said, your desire shall be toward your husband and he shall rule over you. Before sin, Adam and Eve ruled and reigned together. Adam and Eve had a, if you will, buck naked honeymoon for a long time. You know, it's amazing. You know, you share that in church and say, look what he said. You know, look, Adam and Eve had sex. You're not a, you're not a cabbage patch doll. You know, Igor didn't drop you off in the woods somewhere. Your mom and dad had sex for you to be born. Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship till they sinned. And when they sinned, God had to pronounce judgment. Your desire shall be toward your husband and he shall rule over you. He now installed Adam in an office and said, Adam, you in charge. I mean, have you ever heard men say, uh, this is my house. I'm in charge here. By the way, that's the curse. That's the curse. God never intended for Christians to live in the curse. God intended for Christians to live, if you will, in the cure. God never intended us to live in the chaos. God intended us to live where Jesus Christ is Lord of our marriage, where Jesus Christ is Lord of our home. In dealing with bridges, and I'm getting there, I'm going to share something tonight. I'm going to give you a word picture. I wish I could have brought something with me, but I, I tried looking for it and I couldn't find it. But in dealing with bridges, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Starting with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus. And he makes a statement, which is a strange statement, 
when you start looking at everything he said, he makes a straight a statement and he says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. Now you got to understand who the Ephesians were. As a matter of fact, if you don't mind, let me read a little bit. Greek mythology, its main God was Zeus. Zeus was the great mighty God. And Zeus somehow implanted his productive seed in simile. Now they did it without ever meeting, which is bizarre. Because no one could ever look on Zeus because they would be instantly incinerated by his glory. So Zeus and simile never met. But simile was carrying in her womb the child of Zeus. Similarly, decided that she had the right to see the father. So she entered into the presence of Zeus and was instantly incinerated as she entered into the presence of Zeus. Before Simile was incinerated, Zeus snatched the body of the baby from the youth, yet unborn, and then sewed it to his thigh. I'm telling you, it's a bizarre story. But that's their belief system. That's what the Ephesians believe. Carried the baby in his thigh until its full term from which it was born. The infant God was then born, and it was destined by Zeus that this infant God should become the ruler of the world. Well, there were sub-gods already on the earth, according to Greek mythology, called the Titans. And the Titans were the sons of the earth. They kind of ran the earth. And when they saw the son of Zeus, when they saw this son of Zeus was going to come down and take over, they were very upset. So they got a hold of the baby. They tore him limb from limb, and they ate him. But Zeus rescued the heart, swallowed the heart, and gave birth to the baby. Weird stuff, huh? But that's what Greek mythology teaches. So finally, after Zeus had swallowed the heart, the child was reborn. His name, the child Dionysus. Now that's important because that name comes up in ancient religions and mystery religions all over Babylon. Over and over again. Dionysus is a very familiar name. You read anything about Greek mythology, you'll see his name everywhere. He was the number one god of the earth, and Dionysus was born. Now Zeus was mad at the Titans, so he blasted all the Titans with lightning. They reduced to ashes, and out of those ashes came the human race. That's their creation story. So now you know the whole creation story. Pretty bizarre. Now Dionysus has then taken control of the earth said the Greeks, he began to develop a religion. The religion that he developed was the religion of, of uh, where the human beings arose out of the ashes of incinerated titans. These human beings could come to a level of divine consciousness. They could rise to commune with the gods, and it was a religion of ecstasy and emotions. It was a religion where the wild music and the ancient writers say, there was dancing, madness, where there was sexual perversion, and finally it was all induced by drunkenness. And they would all meet together. They would begin with music and then dancing, and frenzy would continue. They got involved in all that kind of things, and when they began to dance and drink and become drunk, they came to a high point where they would eat the raw flesh of mystic bulls that was brought in, and finally they would, in great conclave of voices, they would call out to Dionysus with this phrase, Come thou Savior. The Greek name of Dionysus became the Roman language, Latin Bacchus. 
By the way, Mardi Gras has a Bacchus uh, float. And Bacchus is the Roman god of wine. When people engaged in these unbelievable drunken brawls, they were called Bacchanalian Feast. A Mardi Gras festival and, and, and floats parade around with Bacchus. The key element in pagan worship was drunkenness. That's how they dealt with normal feelings. During their religious lifestyle, they would get so drunk as to vomit in this large tunnel-like vat. They somehow believed the aroma from their vomit would please the god Bacchus. And now we come to Ephesians chapter 5. You come to Ephesians chapter 5 because they knew of that culture. That culture was a very drunken culture. How many of you have ever been drunk? Come on, you lie, you fry, you're in church. You know, you know what drunkenness does. You know, drunkenness puts you kind of staggering. Uh, drunkenness puts you in a, in a very stupid position. They knew about drunkenness. So much drunkenness would take place to where they would vomit in this vat to please their gods. And now Paul comes and introduces and says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Drunk with wine, they knew they were out of control. And I believe Paul was bringing something to them saying, what do you mean, Paul? You want us to be out of control? That's all they knew. I don't know about you. God pulled me out of Boo Boo's nightclub. I thank God he placed me in a day club. I thank God for the church. But I thank God for the teaching in his word. Because it's the teaching in his word that God has given me instructions as a father, as a husband, as a grandfather for the pattern of God's family. God's got a pattern for his family. And because of sin, we have to deal with the issues in the family. One of the first things he deals with, Paul, he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And being filled with the Spirit is not just speaking in tongues, though we speak in tongues. Being filled with the Spirit is not just hallelujah. Being filled with the Spirit is allowing the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly. To allow the Word to penetrate our heart. If you will, to allow the word to bring us together. We're talking about bridges. Well, I want to talk about a bridge tonight, and it's called submission. It's a Christian curse word. <laughs> Say, Brother Russell, I don't bring a hallelujah message. That is a hallelujah message. <laughs> because I believe it pleases the Lord. And I believe anything that pleases the Lord, we should sing hallelujah for. In the book of Ephesians, and, and look, I, I, I can't camp out. Verse 18 talks about it. In verse 21, it says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, once again, he's talking about submission. Why is he talking about submission? Because we all have a problem with it. I mean, if you would have, be honest and say, I've got a problem with submission. You know, you say, oh, no, but if you see that, that sign that says wet paint, how many of you want to touch it? You know, are you going down the road and it's 35 miles an hour and you're going 60? We all have a problem with submission. That's why scripture had to deal with so many issues in the Ephesian church. So this, tonight I'd just like to maybe take some time and talk about the family. 
Talk about the home. Talk about not just husband and wife, but the family of God. In verse 21, it says, be subject one to another in the fear of Christ. Now, I want to bring this illustration up again. I just talked about it. Remember Adam and Eve? The struggle. The curse. As a matter of fact, what I wanted to bring tonight was a tug-of-war rope. And have the men on one side and the women on the other. Because that tug-of-war is in the family today. I mean, if you could relate to that tug-of-war. Oh, some of you are too quiet. <laughs> You know, you probably experienced a tug of war before you showed up tonight. You know, woman seeking control, man suppressing the woman. That's the curse. That's that tug of war. I, I, I want my say so. I, I want my way. I want my way. He said, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now I want to show you in this tug of war, as we're tugging husband, wife, if I had this rope, I would do it tonight. Get a man on this side, a woman on that side. And in the middle of that rope, I would put a cross. In the middle of that rope, I would put a cross. Not just a cross, but a cross with a come along. How many of you know what a come along is? How many of you don't know what a come along is? You know, come along is what brings things together. And if there's anything I believe God wants to do in relationships today, is bringing us together. But how many of you know there's a fight? <laughs> oh, you're too holy. <laughs> there's a fight. Look, I've been in the church for 39 years. I know the fight. I know the fight between the, 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 the men and the women. I know the fight in the home. I teach on the family a lot. By the way, I'm married to a street fighter, ex-street fighter. I thank God she's serving a new master today. But she's still fighting. You know? But look, when I first met her, she was carrying women's lip signs. When I met her as my girlfriend, I would open the door for my girlfriend. I was a gentleman. Christine's gang didn't use the door. It went through the window like Dukes of Hazzard. When I met her, Christine had some issues. Her dad left her mom after 17 years of marriage. He married eight times, 28 kids. No child support. Also, no teaching from the Word of God. And then we meet, and for the first five years of our marriage, you want to talk about a struggle? Without the cross in your relationship, your marriage could end up in divorce. And today, because we've not placed the cross in it, we end up in a divorce court. Paul has some different instructions to the family. And tonight, I'm going to ask you to hold on to the rope. And don't let go of the rope. Too many today are wanting to bail, wanting something different. God has not given us the option to let go of the rope. God has given us this option. Hold on to the rope and allow that cross to draw you closer and closer and closer to one another. And it don't have to just be husband and wife. It could be male and female in the church. God has specific things to tell the church. Verse 22 says what? Wives, <laughs> you wonder why he hid them first. Wives, submit yourself therefore unto your own husband. As a matter of fact, when Christine went to her first Bible study, first one, Christine went to the Bible study to rescue her husband. Because I had now given my life to Jesus. I changed overnight. I mean, everything went. 
And she was now married to another man. So she's going to the Bible study to tell the Bible study teacher off. That's basically why she's going. And she shows up at the Bible study. Guitar guy, he plays the guitar. He's singing the guitar, singing the music. And he puts down his guitar and he opens his Bible and said, I want you to open up to Ephesians 5, verse 22. Now, I'll be honest with you. This was the first time I invited my wife. Why couldn't he have started on something better than that? I was hoping. I couldn't believe that's where he was going. But he said, I'm going to teach you wives how to submit to your own husband. And Christine stood up in the Bible study and looked at the Bible study teacher and said, God made a mistake. I ain't submitting to him. I was pulling her down. I said, baby, sit down. We need some friends. I mean, if you know when you get saved, you lose a lot of your friends. So we lost a lot of our friends. We lost a lot of the people that we're with. But the Bible study teacher looked at her, and I thank God for men of God that have a backbone. And he looked at her, and he said, woman, let me tell you something. If you sit down, I'll teach you something. I was waiting for blood to fly. Christine had no problem knocking out a man. Uh, look, I've, I've many times I'd hold her from fighting just in our marriage. Wives, submit yourself, therefore, unto your own husband. You're in that struggle, don't let go of the rope. Allow that come along, if you will, to bring you closer to the cross. Wives, get up under the load of that husband. You know, I tell wives, fake it till you make it. Get up under the load of that husband. Wives, submit yourself, therefore, unto your own husband. When you submit unto that husband, uh, I got an illustration. I was I was turning some light bulbs in the kitchen one night. I was turning the light bulbs, and Christine looked at me, and she says, Baby, your, your muscles are flexing. I'll change all the light bulbs in the neighborhood now. Everybody's light bulb. Yeah. How many of you know, man, just that little bit of appreciation goes a long way. Just a little bit. Don't tell me my muscle is flexing. Let me know how I'm a Solomon to you. Wives, submit yourself, therefore, unto your own husband. Stay with the rope. I mean, have you ever gotten a disagreement? Seems like the last word is the best word, even if it's a grunt. Wives, submit yourself, therefore, unto your own husbands. I don't have time to go through all the verses. I would pray that maybe you would go into them yourself because God's got a pattern for the church. He said the husband is the head of the wife. In verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church. Husbands, get up under the load of that wife. Get up under the load. I tell husbands all the time, husbands, wash the dishes. You dirtied them. Oh, I got at least maybe one good amen. Husbands, get up under the load of that wife and show that wife that you're a respectable man. We need to preach to the neighborhood. Open that car door for her. I did a marriage seminar at a church one night, and I told the church, you know, how to open the car. I had to teach the church how to open a car door. And, I, you know, teaching them how to open a car door and open it up for your wife and let your wife sit down and, you know, treat her like a queen. She'll treat you like a king. And the deacon of the church came to me after the service, and he said, Bro Russell, I don't see nowhere in the Bible where there's a, I have to open up a car door for my wife. 
I couldn't believe as a deacon he was looking. I said, brother, there were no cars either. And then he looked at me and he said, yeah, but he said, you said open up the car door. I don't see that in the Bible. I said, well, let me ask you a question. How did Jesus love the church? He died. I said, what do you want, death or the door? Yeah. You know, to be honest with you, he still never changed. Because his wife told us on the way, she said, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Brother Russell, we're going to go on the outside and he's going to forget him. Uh, he's not coming to open up the door. And sure enough, he took off in his truck, went to his house and didn't realize his wife wasn't sitting on the other side. She was still in the parking lot. Husbands, love your wife as Christ so loved the church. Cross. Not just say, I come to church. No, what does the teaching say? What does the word say? The word, the Bible says, is the sword of the spirit. If we're going to fight in our family, you better fight with a sword. Because if you're fighting with a butter knife, if you're fighting with dreams, or if you're fighting with this, or you're fighting with that, you're fighting with Dr. Fields' testimony, if you're fighting outside of the word, you're allowing the devil to come into your home and destroy your home. God did not call Christians to fight that way. He called Christians, submit unto God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. How do you submit unto God? Let that come along draw you closer to the cross. It's the bridge. It's the bridge that brings us into some type of agreement. It's the bridge that brings harmony in the home. It's the bridge that brings a miracle in the marriage. It's a bridge that restores relationship. No matter where you are in life. And we all have, if you're working, if you're in the workforce, you got to deal with the battle of the sexes. It's out there. How you deal with this is very important. And as a Christian, we need to deal with it according to the cross, according to the word of God. Husbands, love your wife as Christ will love the church. I don't have time to read it all. I would love to, but uh, children, get up under the load of your parents. Children, do what? I've already told my kids many a times. My kids are older now. I have five. I have 13 grandkids. But I used to instruct my kids, and I would tell them, children, Obey your parents. You are my slaves. You know, I'm serious. And they, they, you know, they look at dad like, dad, come on. I said, yeah, you're my slaves, but you're my slaves in Christ. You know, children, obey your parents. Get up under the load of your mom and dad. Even though Christine had a bad dad, his, his, his influence was the, the pits. I'm, I'm talking about this man here had no decency whatsoever. Christine still honored him as a father. He died two years ago. I tell people this all the time. The life you live will preach your funeral. When he died two years ago, 28 kids, only four kids showed up. Christine was one of the four. They had to actually pay somebody as a pallbearer to carry his casket. It's important the life that we live, church. Children. Obey your parents in the Lord and the children's bill of rights is why it's right. That's all you need to know. Once again, teach them how to get closer to the cross. Because if we don't teach our children how to obey their parents, 
Welcome to the prison system. I tell parents all the time, children that are brought up in church are less likely to be brought up in the court system. Unfortunate, many of them let go of the rope and don't draw closer and allow that come along to pull them, to humble them, to get them to, if you will, die to self. So God may have his way. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. He gives all kind of instructions that it may be well with you. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath or to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I wish I had time to camp out. I'm taking a jet tour, but I'm taking a jet tour for a reason tonight. Because I want God to minister to the whole family. You know, I mentioned the husbands, I mentioned the wives, I mentioned the fathers, I mentioned the children. The very first scripture after we read about being filled with the Spirit was being subject one to another, knowing God's looking on. If there's anything we need in the body of Christ today, is to be able to get up under the load of one another. Let that come along pull us. I mean, we've ever had some unforgiveness in the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, in the church is probably the close the place where people hurt you the most, if you're a part of it. I've been a part of it for 39 years, and I've been like Jesus, wounded in the house of God. And after I've had to walk in unforgiveness, unforgi- I've had to understand that unforgiveness shackles me to the past, and I need to somehow, some way, if you will, allow that calm along to draw me closer to the cross, forgiving one another. You know, realizing that Christ forgave me, I need to forgive others. Get up under the load of people that need help. I got inmates that come out of prison. I've had some churches tell me, don't send them here, Brother Russell. Well, that lets me know that you're not getting closer to the cross. And if you will, some have actually dropped the rope. Said, to be honest with you, we don't want to help them. I had one man call me on the phone. I'm not going to tell you the church. It's not in this city. One man called me on the phone. I told him to call the church, that church. I knew the church. I thought I knew the church. And the church told him, he says, "Uh, Sir, you might as well call Brother Russell back. We don't help inmates. That's not what Jesus called us to do. when when, When people have a need, we should be able to respond as the body of Christ. There's not a person in this church today that doesn't need to get up under the load maybe of your spouse, maybe of your wife, maybe of your husband, maybe of your parents, maybe of your, maybe of your children. Get up under the load of your children and provoke them not to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God has called us to have a pattern for the family. In church, I don't know where you are tonight. Brother Russell doesn't say heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. You know, I go to prison. You buy your head in prison, you don't know what's missing when you pick your head up again. So I just get real with people. I mean, you feel like you you need to draw closer to the cross tonight. You need to allow that come along, if you will, to pull you closer to the teachings of the Word of God. Maybe some of you are going through some time, some hard times. I don't know where you are. I'd like to pray with you up front, and if you want prayer, I'm going to be here. But I'm going to ask you to do something at the body of Christ. If Brandon doesn't mind as a pastor here, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I, and I want you to do something tonight. By the way, uh, you know, I'm trying not to go overtime, but how many of you know the saints every now and then go overtime? Not going to do that. I'm trying. 
But if God wants to do something in your heart, let him go over time. Because God wants to be involved in your family like never before. So I'm going to ask you to stand all over the church. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want you to do something. I want you to go and find four and five, six people. And go and pray for individuals. Pray the word. You don't know how to pray the word? Let somebody else in the circle pray the word. That God would minister to your relationship. Maybe you're going through some stuff tonight. Maybe you need specific prayer and you want Brother Russell to pray for you. I'm up front here. I'll pray with anybody that comes here. But for the rest of you, I'm going to ask you to do this. Go and find some people in the body tonight before you leave and do what Scripture says. Pray ye one for another that you may be healed. Pray ye one for another that God would cause us to get up under the load and draw closer to that bridge, if you will, which is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you to move. Go ahead and find some people to start praying for. If you need prayer, come on up here. I'll be praying up here. If you want to get involved in the ministry, there's a clipboard in the back. Uh, You can sign up on the clipboard.